Now the Holy Spirit brings us to that one that is very difficult for us. Because in the flesh, from the very beginning, from the time we take our first breath, we are not patient. We are not patient. We are not patient. And if you're going to be in ministry, you've got to be patient. Because it's not your timing, it's God's timing. And oftentimes when people are not patient with other people, it's because they're trying to mold people into being what they want them to be, rather than what God wants them to be. And God takes time to develop. Not because he has to, it's because God knows us. He knows how stubborn we are. He knows how rebellious we are. He knows how hard-hearted we are. And he knows that we're slow to learn. Not much difference between us as individuals as it was with Israel. So God is very patient with us. And as we work with other people, we have to be very patient. Because God is going to work His work. And what we have to recognize is that God's going to do it. And that we just want to be a part in that. That's all. We just want to work with Him. I get you to go in here. Because godly patience is something that only the Lord can develop. But it's a work that the Holy Spirit will do in each and every one of us. And we need to recognize that. The patience of God reveals something to us. It reveals that God is more concerned about the worker than he is the work. God is more concerned about you and I than he is about accomplishing this, this, or that, that may be the work. And the reason it's more important that you and I is that he's building us in the process of doing the work. But we're more important than the work. And often sometimes in ministry, we mix that up. The work becomes more important than who? Than the people. The people are more important than the work. Oftentimes, we want large crowds to build what we want to build, to do what we want to do. And I'm not negative towards large crowds, but we got to keep in our mind that if we have large crowds, we're there to minister to the people, not the people getting what we want to be able to do building large facilities or doing this or doing that. But what's important is the people. Is the people. And in patience, God reveals to us that he's more concerned about us than he is about the work. Illustrate. God could have delivered Israel from Egypt simply by speaking. If God could speak the world into existence out of nothing, he couldn't have just said to Pharaoh, let my people go and be done with it. But God chose not to do that. Because he was going to work in the life of a person also while he's working in the life of Israel. So he takes 80 years to build this leader called Moses. Educated in the fine house of Egypt, and then educated as a shepherd watching sheep. Eighty years. 
God could have also fed Jacob. He didn't need a Joseph. If this God could make manna fall out of the sky, he had to depend on Joseph going to Egypt and preparing for the famine that Jacob would have some place to send for food. God could have took care of Jacob. But he was working in the life of a Joseph. Patience is something that you and I have to understand is how God builds character. Through patience. The issue is not getting the job done. It's building character. It's building godly men and godly women. And you don't build character, and this is what happens so much today in everything we do. We want to find a shortcut. We want to find the most easiest way to do it. Isn't it strange that when we look at different issues of life, the cook, the skilled worker, the truck driver. The other day, boy, I'm out in the garage working, getting something done, just working. So when Elaine come in, first thing she said, have you ate yet? Nope. Well, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do some steakums and this and that. Got me all tuned up for some steakums. You know. Then when I went inside to eat, I got to throw together um, chicken pot pie. All the leftovers thrown into a dish with two biscuits on top. (laughs) But a cook knows how to take the shortcuts. The cook knows how to make it easy on themselves sometimes. You know. A good cook knows exactly what to do when things are tight and they know how to cut the corners. A skilled worker knows the shortcuts to his trade. A skilled worker knows how, when time is pushing, the shortcuts that he can take or she can take if they know their job. That will save them time and get the thing done. A truck driver, it's amazing. They're always looking for a shortcut to save on gas, save on time. They're looking for that shortcut. And we're so used to taking shortcuts that even when it comes to God's work, we're looking for a shortcut. To build godly men and godly women, there are no shortcuts. And God doesn't take any. God doesn't take any. Because there is none. To build a servant of God. A faithful servant. There's no shortcuts. And a lot of times we're looking for it. Quickest way. To grow up or mature in the faith per se. There is no shortcuts. Doing God's will. Okay, Lord, let's go ahead and get this thing done. Let's get it over with. We're looking for the shortcut. To get through it, get out of it, let's move on. With God, there is no shortcuts. And that's why Scripture says that God is long-suffering. Because He knows what He's working with. In Galatians 5.22, one of the things that is spoken of again is that word patience. For it says in that verse 22, But the Spirit of the Lord is love, joy, peace, and then patience. Can't sit down because it turns off. Patience. Go to James with me. James chapter 5. Because in our instant society... We're not very patient. When I was over in Korea some years ago, 
and a number of workers were with us. You have to understand, Korean traffic don't allow you to go anywhere fast. But I witnessed the Western... How do I want to say it? Ignorance. Trying to impose itself on another culture. We want to toast an egg. That's not their morning breakfast. So by the time the toast get to us, they're cold. The eggs, they didn't know how to cook eggs. That's not their breakfast. So they come out cold. But to see these quote-unquote Christians, and they were saved, to be so disrespectful about their cold toast or their cold eggs. We're waiting on the bus to take us to the Olympic Hotel in North Korea. And we're all down in the lobby, and our guide is there. After the bus is 15, 20 minutes late, everybody's jumping on the guide. Until she just started, she just broke down, cried, and myself and two other men, we took her to the side and we prayed with her and we asked her to forgive us because of our impatience. We are a people who are not willing to be patient. And because we're not willing to be patient, Oftentimes we miss the best of God. Starting in verse 7 of James 5. First thing he tells us, be patient. Be patient. Then, brothers, until the Lord comes. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop? And how patient he is. See, the groundhog wouldn't wait for our greens to get up. But we had to be patient. He wasn't patient. He just tore our garden up. But when you put that seed in the ground, you have to be patient. You have to wait on it. Remember when you put a seed into a person's life, you got to wait on it. When you put the word into somebody's life, you got to wait on it. And he says, see how that farmer, how he's patient for the autumn and spring rains? Verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm. It's not that you're doing nothing. You're standing firm. You're doing whatever God, you're not retreating from whatever the goal is But you have to wait on God. Just like the farmer. He says, you too. Be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other's brothers. Or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. And you know we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Now, listen to that. You heard about Job and his patience. You heard about all what Job went through. Then he says, what I want you to really look at is this here, what God brought about. Remember Job's end? That's what God said. Take a good look at Job's end. How I blessed him at the end. Because of his patience and because of his faith, his loyalty. I was there. He says, look at him. The final, the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 
The Lord is. He's full of passion and commercial. Now, patient is built into ministry. If you're a parent, you may not know it, but patience is built in you. You may not like to exercise it, but it's there. When that newborn comes into the world, they don't know anything about patience. When it starts crying, the bottle usually isn't ready. You got to what? Go get the bottle, warm it up, test it, let it cool, whatever it is, or either make it up, go get it out the refrigerator. Just because they're crying doesn't mean instantly they got the bottle. Isn't it strange also? After they lay down for a nap and want to get up, and you're not there quick enough to pick them up, what happens? They let you know that they're up and they're ready to move. They're ready to get going. You know, but you might be doing something else, but you're supposed to drop whatever you're doing instantly and just go get them. Then isn't it strange also about a child? I mean, we're talking about this child without patience. You can be in a meeting or you could be shopping or, or you could have guests over and that child will say, it's time for them to go. It's, it's my time. Or let's get out this store. They're all... And we call them having a fit. And what the child is saying, it's time to move on now. It's time to move on. Because they don't have patience. Patience is something that has to be developed within. But understand this also. Patience is willing to be serviceable to others. You're serviceable to others. Go to First Timothy. Paul learned this. Paul learned it. And remember, he's the author here of Galatians. First Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 16. Look what Paul says. Catch this. It's exciting about what this verse says. Verse 16. He says, But for that very reason I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display. That Jesus might display his unlimited what? Patience. Was God patient with you? And oftentimes we forget how patient God was with us when we're dealing with who? Others. And Paul says... He was patient with me. Why? He was building me. He was patient with me in the desert while he was teaching me. He was patient with me while Barnabas was teaching me. He was patient with me when I was short with John Mark. Because John Mark wasn't moving or growing as fast as I wanted him to grow. And he wasn't ready to go to the next level and let's get out here on the mission field. Let's do this work. John Mark wasn't ready and I got upset with him. And then off to Barnabas. And later on you hear Paul says, send me John Mark. To develop people takes time. And sometimes it's a lifetime of development. And Paul says that he might show his unlimited patience. Now, just the, 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 the other part of this. As an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. For an example. For an example. That God is patient with us. And when you're working with somebody else, can you be patient? See, the Bible study that Elaine and I would go to on uh, First Friday, there, 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 there's a couple of people that just, wear my patience? But the thing is, they come. They come. And usually... The one person is going to say something that is usually not just biblically correct. It's a religious thing, yes. 
but not theologically correct or biblically correct, but really don't know any better. So they spot it out and they'll say it, you know. And boy, at that time, it's not time for me to correct. Because understand this. When you're teaching other people, and other people are learning, they won't have patience to learn or to be taught. And the simplest excuse will chase them away. And a lot of times you've got to recognize just haven't been taught. So we've got to wait until the Holy Spirit gives us there to teach them there, and then they'll hear it. Hopefully they'll hear it and make the correction between them and the Holy Spirit rather than me and them. And Paul says, to show you the patience of God. Because God was patient with you. Could you imagine what God had to correct in Paul's life as a Pharisee? There's a lot of religious correction that had to take place in Paul's life. Second Corinthians 6, 4. Because Paul said, this is one of the marks. If, if you're going to be in ministry and God's going to really use you, this is something that has to be a trait in you that the Holy Spirit is working in you. Because, see, these things are not something that's going to happen real quickly. So he says, in 6.4, he says, boy, let me get there. Rather, as a servant of God, we, rec- we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in trouble, hardship, distress, in beating, imprisonment, and riot, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Boy. He says, we find ourselves stressful. We find ourselves, boy, and all these things that are happening to us. Yet, in ministry, as these things happen, I just got to be patient. I just got to be patient. And it's amazing. How impatient we are. He says, Whether as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance. Endurance. Together, endurance, you've got to be patient. When you're going through hardships, Are you patient or just want it over? Are you looking for what God is teaching you? Are you looking at how God is using other people in your life at that time? And the issue is, boy, patience. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. He says, The things that mark an apostle's Signs, wonders, and miracles were done among you, now listen, with great perseverance, with great patience. These things just didn't all just start popping into your life. But they began and they came about through patience that you begin to see the hand of God move in your life. You begin to see God work in your life. They came about through great patience. And oftentimes why we don't see God work in our lives is we don't have patience. We want to run ahead. We want to force it. We want to make something happen. Or we quit. <laughs> Rather than waiting upon the Lord. We're in a hurry. God isn't. We're in a hurry, but God is. First Thessalonians five fourteen. This is a good one just to mark, because he's going to mention some of the folks that we got to work with, and 
if you're working with people, you've got to begin to look into people's background. Don't quickly prejudge just what you see. If you're going to work with people, one thing we as chaplains at Akron General, they brought a specialist in while I was going through the chaplain school down there. And then we wind up working with Akron General for almost 10 years. But what they taught us to do was to listen. To listen. And sometimes you would go into a patient's room and you introduce yourself. And you would ask them, tell me your story. What's going on with your sickness? How did it develop? Does it run in your family? And the, and, and the stories just start. And you go back that second visit. They get to know you a little bit, a little bit more. Intimacy begins to take place. And telling you a little bit more. The first thing you have to do with people is learn to listen for that you can evaluate where they are spiritually, but also emotionally. You want to know something about their life. You want to know something about their journey. You want to be able to ask God now through prayer to help them heal from the inside that it begins to come to the outside. Oftentimes when we begin with people, we just see a person and we're boom, 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 boom. Rather than learning that person's journey to where they, how, how do they get to where they are right now? Because God has introduced you to that person to minister to them. Now the thing about God, he knows our story. He knows our journey. He knows our hurts. He knows about us. And when we begin to minister to people, we need to have an ear to listen. And if we listen, we'll begin to pick up what they really care about. We'll begin to pick up what their hurts are. We'll begin to pick up where, what areas they need to be taught in. And there's where we start. Look at 5.14, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. He says, Boy, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Now, King James uses the word unruly. Disorderly. Somebody who's out of the ranks. Somebody who's not lined up straight. It's an irregular type of person. What do you do with a person who is not quite normal? How do you minister to them? Patience. Love. And he says, you're going to deal with that idle person. This person just isn't lazy per se. But they're very difficult to teach because of their unruliness. You come in with your plan, what they want to do. Get you off your plan. Now, they have what they want. Yeah. And then he goes on, he says, Boy, encourage the timid. Encourage the timid. That is that individual who is... Weak spiritually. That is that person who is weak and not very strong and find it very hard to stand up for themselves. And he says, encourage that one. Hey, encourage that one. And then he comes back and he says, boy, help the weak. Help the weak. The person who is totally strengthless, had no strength at all, had not the ability to protect himself or to really help himself. The person who's always being taken advantage of 
by those who are stronger than they are. And nobody there to protect them or to shield them or to help them. If you take this word even into its Greek meaning, it can lead us into the area of mentally weak or retarded. And God says, help them. Help them. So you, you got to show patience to the unruly. You got to show patience to the spiritual weak. Or they may think they're spiritual giants. But in reality, they're spiritually weak. And then to those that are weak, that are helpless. And there are those who are spiritually helpless, and Satan takes total advantage of them. Because they have no spiritual strength at all. They can't even quote a verse to Satan to back him up. They don't know what it is to put on the armor of God and after they've done all else to stand because they never put on the armor. They never put on the real helmet of salvation. They never put on the breastplate of righteousness. They never use the shield or the word of God to fight their battle. They don't even know that they've been equipped for the battle. And they're spiritually weak. Your patience are going to be tested. If you deal with people, your patience is going to be tested. You know why it's so hard to get volunteers at a nursing home? Your patience will be tested. <laughs> You're trying to help somebody and they're trying to knock you out. You're trying to help somebody, they're spitting at you. You're trying to help somebody, they're cussing at you. You're trying to help somebody and they're talking about you, how bad you are. And the whole thing, the Lord says, be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Well, I'm still on, but I don't know if the battery's going or what. But he says, be patient. And that's what we need to be, is patient with people. Because we're going to deal with different walks of life, different people in ministry. But we need to be patient with them. Amen? And we need to show them an agape love. We need to allow them to know that they're still loved. Now, in being patient, that doesn't mean you allow somebody to run over you. Being patient doesn't mean that you allow somebody to just take full advantage of you. Being patient doesn't mean you don't stand for truth and for your convictions. I want you to go to Psalm 78 with me. It's a good psalm to really read and study and get a good picture of God and how God deals with people and how he dealt with Israel. Very good. Just that one chapter. Just, just to really look at it and, 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 and tear it apart. We're not going to have time to do that. But some points that I do want to bring out to you about it. Because see... If you're going to be in ministry, you're going to face some of these things. And you're going to be like God. I'm ready to slay you. I'm ready to lay you out. I'm ready to kill you. I'm ready to be done with you. Look at verse 1. Because you need to be aware that the moment you start teaching people They're going to rebel. Because your teaching is usually a correction. Without saying, I'm correcting you. The moment you get into the word of God, it starts to correct us. That correction 
goes against my lifestyle. And I'm very quickly ready to do what? Rebel. The second part of that is this. Paul says, a little knowledge does what? Boy, I've learned John 3.16. I know it all now. Because a little knowledge puffs up. And after a while, I don't need a teacher no more. He says, Oh my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. Hear my teaching. Hear my teaching. Hear my teaching. And as the Lord would teach them, they would rebel because that's not what they want to do. As you're being taught sometime, that teaching will come across so strong and it goes against every bit of your grain. And God is trying to correct through the teaching your lifestyle. And what you're going to say, God, you live up there. I live down here. See, we live in two different neighborhoods. You don't have to put up with what I have to put up. You live with angels. I live with And we find sanctified reasoning why we can disregard God's teaching or his word. Look with me in verse 8. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Rebellious. Now he used the word rebellious a few times in this chapter. A rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God's, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. Understand something. When you're working with people, oftentimes because we're giving our time or we're doing something with people, we expect a certain loyalty. Don't look for that. Or you expect a certain faithfulness. We said we're going to meet at 8 o'clock. Don't look for that. If they show up, be thankful I'm here. If I'm a half hour late, be thankful I even came. That's where the patients come in. Because they don't know what God is yet doing in their life. And you have to be patient. Come on down into verse 17. But they continue to sin against him, rebelling in the desert against the Most High. They continue in sin. And even while sometimes you're teaching and you're assuming the person is learning, they continue to do what? Gravel in their sin. And you're teaching them, come out of their sin. Let their sin go. But yet they stay in their sin. Now you've got to be patient because, see, what they've heard is this. They've heard your voice. They haven't heard God's voice. They've heard your voice. They haven't heard God's voice. They've heard it in the Word. They've seen it in the Word. But the Holy Spirit got to speak to them. The Holy Spirit got to convict them. See, our voice doesn't convict anybody. But the Holy Spirit has to work. Ours is to help try to turn on the light. The Holy Spirit really has to turn the light on and shine it exactly where he wants it. And what oftentimes happens is that we become impatient with people. Because of what they do and how they act. Verse 40. Again he uses. How often they rebelled against him in the desert and grieved him in the wasteland. This is God. They're grieving. When is the last time you allowed a person to cause you to grieve? When's the last time you have allowed another person to cause you to be discomfortable or to suffer? 
That's what patience does. Patience allows that. Why? Because patience understands what it's dealing with. The unruly. Those who are not strong enough yet to really stand. And the feeble-mindedness. And the wishy-washiness of people. The uncertainty of people. The double-mindedness of people. And it's patience that allows people sometimes to act like a yo-yo. You throw it out there, it comes back, it goes back out again, then it comes back, then it goes out again, and it comes back. See, a lot of us sometimes, when it goes back out, we cut the string. So you ain't coming back here again. Patience. 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 If you're going to be in ministry, you're going to have to have patience. Verse 56. He says, But they put God to the test. If you deal with people, they're going to put you to what? To the test. They're going to really test you. To see, number one, are you genuine? Number two, do you follow your own teaching? Number three, how much would you put up with? Patience. Patience. See, we had a man, one man over the man's house. He stole everything that wasn't nailed down. And every time I approached him, he thought I was going to chew him out. He stole every chain, every piece of metal he could take to the scrapyard. He stole everything. When he finally stole another man's watch that the man bought for his son for graduation, we confronted him. The all the, all the stealing, nobody never caught him. We had no real evidence. We just knew it was him. But when it came to the watch, we just confronted him. And he confessed, just sitting at the table. But yet, what he couldn't get over was the patience we were showing him. And then for us to explain our desire is for you to really know Christ. To really know Christ. Yeah. And God's desire for us is that we really walk with Him. Yeah. And we be His people. And He's patient as He molds us and shapes us. But understand this, there's a limit to his patience. We're going to look at that in just a moment, the limits of his patience. But in 57, he just says, boy, like their fathers, they were disloyal and faithfulness. Now, catch this other word that is thrown in here. Unreliable or, in some translations, useless. 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 Some folks are just darn right what? As the old folks would say, not worth a dime. Useless. But those useless folks, guess what you got to show? Patience. 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 Because the goal is still to develop them. 
The goal is to see, still see them live that life that God wants them to live. Turn back to verses 32. Let's go to 31 and 32. Still in Psalms 78. I said, when you get time, just tear this song apart. Read it for yourself. It says, God's anger rose up against them. He put to death the sturdies among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days in what? Brutality. And their years in terror. God is patient. But don't put his patience to the test. Amen. To see this at the very end allows us to see God's patience when you come into verses 70 through 72 of that chapter. God working with Israel over a length of time. He says, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. Took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he bought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob. What does that tell us? God's not finished with him. He's patient with him. He's long-suffering with him. Even though all this rebellion takes place, even when it says they forgot what all he had did for them, yet he's patient. And he says... To be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And and David shepherded them with integrity of heart. Look how David shepherded them. With integrity of heart. Uprightly. Do them no harm, but minister to God's people. And with skillful hands, he led them. With skillful hands, with gentle hands, with comforting hands, he led them. What happens when patients run out? Go to Psalm 95, 11. Psalm 95, 11. If you read just a couple of verses up, you get a little better sense of it. But in 11 it says, So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. When we become impatient with people, they will never enter God's rest. They will be troubled until they find God. Or until that thing in their life has been corrected. They will not find rest. Let me also reverse this just a little bit. When you become impatient with God and not willing to wait upon God, one, you're going to destroy yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. Because God is trying to teach you something and you're impatient and you're not going to hear what he says and you're not going to learn it. You're going to take off and you're going to hurt yourself. The second thing, when you're impatient with God, you're going to lose. You'll see yourself losing things. 
Remember, God always wants to bless you. God wants to enrich your life. When you're losing, it's because you will not be patient with God and let God teach you. And you be like a sponge absorbing all that he wants to teach you. And when you're not patient with him, you're going to lose this, and you're going to lose that, and you're going to lose. God doesn't lose out. Bring that even back when you're not patient with your teacher or the one that's teaching you or the one that's leading you. That person hasn't lost anything because you took off. Remember something. Just because you don't show up, and I'll never forget one time this happened. The person had their Bible study. It was supposed to start at 7 o'clock. People showed up at 20 after. He read one verse, prayed, Bible study was over. Well, what happened to our half-hour Bible study? Well, you already used 20 minutes of it, whatever you were doing out there. Who lost? They lost. The Bible said your teacher didn't lose a thing. The other thing that you lose is this. That's so vital that people don't mess up. Don't understand when you are not patient with God. You lose time. What do I mean by that? God's been trying to work with you back over here when you were 20 years old. Now you're 30 years old. But in reality, all you've gained is 10 years. Nothing in your life has changed from 20 years to 30 years, per se. You've lost in a sense, as they say in this whole thing of investment, you've lost 10 years of earning. You've lost 10 years of possibilities of really growing and having something. Why? Because you're still acting the same way and living like you were living when you were 20, rather than maturing, learning, and growing and progressing. So that when you hit 30, there is something different. The same thing takes place from 30 to 40. That you're growing, you're learning, you're achieving. And God is teaching you. But if you're not patient with God to learn from him, and sometimes God will check you on that. Go to James. James chapter 1, verse 4. Jumped ahead of myself a little bit, but let's get to it here. He says, perseverance or patience. Patience must finish its work. That's in both. If I'm the one being patient with somebody else, God's doing something in me. But that one who is out there, boy, I'm being patient with them. There's a work yet to be done. And he says, perseverance must finish its work. Or patience must finish its work. So that you may be mature. What is that? That you may grow up. That you may grow up. What Peter says, boy, that babe loves the milk. But as you mature, you desire the what? The meat. You want something more. And in growing sometime, and we see it in adulthood, and I was sharing with a man the other day, 55 years old, I said, man, you look like somebody 20 years old. Not so much that he didn't have gray hair and this wouldn't happen, is the way he was dressed.
the immaturity that reveals itself. And he says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Now look what happens when you grow and you mature and you let patience have its perfect work in your life. Not lacking anything. You don't lack anything. You don't lack anything. You don't lack. When you're a patient person, you don't lack. And you just wait on the Lord. Go to Romans 9, 22 and 23. These last three verses, I kind of jumped to James 1, 4, but go to Romans 9, 22. Doesn't God have a right to bring his judgment whenever he wants to? Yeah. God has that right. That, that he should be able to bring judgment whenever he so desires. That he can bring discipline wherever he wants. That he can take from you whatever he wants, whenever he wants. God has that right. God has the right to submit his judgment on your life anytime he so desires. He has that right. But this is the good part about God. That you and I have to learn how to exercise. God also has the right to be patient with you. We have the right to be patient with people even when they're ugly. What people cannot take away from us is this. Our choice of how we're going to respond to their action. They can't take that away. How I'm going to respond to their ugly action or behavior. They can't take that away. And I can choose to be patient with them, wait for them to come down from their pouting, wait for them to come down from their yelling and screaming, wait for them to get over their episode, or wait upon them to even have to go through their bad experience and then come back. And what they will discover when they come back is that agape love is still there. And he says in verse 22, What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects he bore with great patience the object. Rather than putting judgment on them, he chooses to be patient with them. Even though you deserve hell right now, instantly, don't pass go, go straight to hell. He has that right to yet be patient with you and to continue to work with you. And sometimes that's what we got to show to people. And all their failures and all their mistakes in life, we can be patient with them. And we keep encouraging. We keep trying to build up. We keep trying to get them closer to the Lord. We keep working and getting them into the Word of God. You know, one of the best things that ever happens when a person can begin to feed themselves. Don't you get tired of feeding the child? And isn't it a blessed day when that child can take that fork in? That is the same way that patients work with people. We feed them, in a sense, until they can do what? Feed themselves. That's patience. Watch how some mothers are patient with kids. While they're trying to feed them and the kid takes the hand. And, and what happens to the food? Or got the little bowl of cereal whatever on the high chair tray and turn their head for a moment and the bowl's on the floor. Child's still hungry but you got to clean up and fix what? Patience. 
patience. My grandson Mark, I got to be patient with him. Told him go get some green beans. That boy was blind. Don't come back and tell him, you know green beans up there. Come on, boy, we're going to go find some green beans. Take him up there. Okay, now you get some green beans. Where do you get three of them? So we get back to the table. The guy across from us said, you wasted your money, didn't you? Yeah, you don't eat much. I said, Mark, go ahead and get, eat one. He grabbed his nose. He didn't know I was going to use it as an illustration. But that's what a lot of people are doing when they're getting the word. They're kind of like grabbing their nose. And, you know. and then you got to tell them again, get another one. You know. Though you're trying to teach them something, they're fighting every bit of the what? Yeah. Because it's good for them. Not good for you. See? I already had my green beans. If anybody can stand to eat three or something, it's me. See? He need to eat a whole lot to catch up with me. And God says he's patient. And he chose to be patient rather than bring his judgment. Let's close out with Luke 18. Luke 8 and verse 15. Talking about the sower, but something that the person realizes. That's sometimes not stated, but if you can follow the pattern here of what takes place, I think you can see it. Wednesday night Bible study, we were talking about in chapter 12 about the whole issue about seeing, hearing, and the heart. And then it got into the area where it's talking about the, the prophets of old that they didn't see nor did they hear, but it didn't mention the heart. The reason it didn't mention the heart because in the Old Testament the prophets had the heart, but they were not blessed to see Jesus nor to hear Jesus. And the apostles there, they were blessed to hear and to see. So it mentions those two things, but it didn't mention the heart. But if you follow the text earlier, because he's talking about the prophets. The prophets had the heart. They just didn't see Jesus, nor did they hear from Jesus. In this text, it says something to us about patience. In verse 15, get there. Luke 8, 15. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who heard the word. They heard the word. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. When you hear the word, how many times when you're reading sometime, you have to go back and read it again? They heard the word. Faith cometh by what? Okay, I moved a little bit. I'm hearing some more. I moved a little bit. I'm hearing some more. Boy, I take a bigger step. Now my faith is starting to develop because of what? I'm hearing the word. People who do not hear the word cannot develop their faith. But people who are hearing the word their faith should be growing. 
the evidence of their faith growing now is that they begin to step out in faith, believing and trusting God, where before they only believed in this supreme being, they believed in this God, but they took no steps. But as they hear the word, and their heart is right, they step out in faith, believing God's going to hold them, God's going to provide for them, God's going to give them favor, God's going to bless them. Something begins to happen. It didn't happen instantly. So there was patience why this person was growing as they're hearing the word. Now as you hear the word, something else begins to take place. You no longer only become a receiver, but now you begin to what? Begin to be a giver. And when you begin to give away your faith, not only receiving faith, now you are producing a fruit. And the scripture says, they heard and they begin to produce a fruit. It took the time what James was talking about. When the seed goes in the ground for that fruit to come forth. Because, see, God was patient from the beginning to the end. God was patient. God knows what he's doing in your life and my life. He knows what he's doing. And the question is, will we be patient? Patient in ministry, patient with our God, patient with ourselves. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that your word continues, O God, to build character in us. That you do not want us to love people from a fleshly love, but with an agape love. And you want us to have the joy of the Lord as we minister to people. And you want us to have a peace, Lord, that nothing shakes us, O God, from that which you have set forth for us to do.